Our series is entitled, Women Jesus Met. And this series is intended to show us how Jesus elevated the status of women in his day. As we've previously seen, just by mentioning women in his teachings, he's raising the status. Because that was unheard of in those days. Jesus told some wonderful parables. The woman who made bread. The woman who swept her house. The woman who gave two pennies in the offering and the box in the temple. Oh, so many times. Jesus tells another parable about, oh, this time it's ten women. Five are wise, five are foolish. And... Um, so we're going to answer the question today. What's the difference between wise and foolish women? What's the difference? <laughs> there must be a difference, right? If some are wise and some are foolish. There's got to be a difference. All right. So we're going to see what that is today. And again, the main point is not the women in the story. The main point is not the oil that's in the story. But rather, here's what it is. It's that which is found in the middle of the parable. And you know what that is? Meeting the bridegroom. Oh, that's the main point. And that's the point that has to do with us. Meeting the bridegroom. So we pick it up in Matthew 25, verse 1. Jesus is speaking, and he said, Oh, the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Virgins in those days basically meant unmarried women. Young girls weren't yet married. Now, as we look at the whole parable, perhaps these virgins represent humanity. Hmm, let's think about that. That the virgins would represent all members of the human race. Okay? So kind of like tuck that away. A little bit. So, point number one. They go out to meet the bridegroom. That means expectation. Expectation is the main point. Meeting the bridegroom. But there's also the importance of preparation. Oh yeah, where there's an expectancy, there's a preparation. Okay, verse two. Here is the roll call and the difference between the two. Five of them were foolish. Five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. What? That's like having a flashlight without batteries. Why are you doing that? They took their lamps, but they took no oil. So point number two, why were they foolish? No oil. That's why. Oh, but the prudent, verse four, they took oil and flasks along with the lamps. So we got a beautiful picture. We got the lamps, right? They got some oil in it. And then they got an extra little jar of oil as well. That's wisdom. We would say these ladies were thoughtful. That's what I would say. Thoughtful. What does it mean to be thoughtful? Full of thought. They're thinkers. Did you know that the Christian life is a thinking life? It's not a feeling life. We don't go through life with our feelings. We'll go through life with our thinking. 
That's the Christian life. How many times did Paul say, consider this, consider that? Add up the facts. It's always about thinking. And that's why we need God's Word. God's Word teaches us to think. It actually gives us something to think with. Okay? Now, let's get a sense of what was going on here in this wedding. In the Middle East, weddings were held at night, probably because it was so hot during the day. The bridegroom would set out from his home to fetch his bride from her parents' home. And they would then proceed to the couple's new home. They would be accompanied by the bridesmaids with their lighted lamps. Now in the parable, the bridegroom arrived later than expected and the wedding party fell asleep. Nowadays, it seems like, hmm, the bride is always late, right? I've done many weddings, standing there with the groom. Where is she? <laughs> Biggest day of her life, right? And she's late. Happens quite a bit. Well, in this case, the bridegroom was late. Ain't that a kicker? So, verse 5, while the bridegroom was delaying, the ladies in the wedding party, the ten virgins, they got drowsy. They began to sleep. Probably like I'm starting to do to some of you right now, putting you to sleep. All of them, all ten, were sleeping. Okay? All ten. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom come. The bridegroom, come out to meet him. So somebody saw the bridegroom coming down the road, and they yelled out, Here he comes. Come and meet him. Point four, let's go meet the bridegroom. All the ladies rose, and they trimmed their lamps. They all got up. Ten were sleeping. Ten woke up. They all arose. Point number five, everybody got up. Interesting note here. The women carried lamps not to see where they were going. For the, the nights were clear, and the moon and the stars gave off plenty of light. You know why they carried lamps at night? To light their faces. Not so they could see, but so they could be seen should anything happen to them. It would be very suspicious in those days for a woman to walk at night without a lamp. People would wonder, what's she doing in the dark? Where's she going? People would get suspicious, if you know what I mean. So now, all of these women, they have their lamps. Wait a minute. Only five brought extra oil. It's a good thing they did, because the groom was later than expected. And also, in these wedding processions, they'd wind down all the streets in the village, so all the people had an opportunity to see the groom and the bride. So, you didn't want to run out of oil during the march, right? During that procession. Well, in verse 8, the foolish bridesmaid said to the prudent bridesmaids, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No. <laughs> no. Because there won't be enough for us. We only have enough for us. Go downtown to the store and buy some. Go buy some yourselves. Okay? So what do we see here? Point six. Why were they foolish? No oil. Why were they wise? Oil. They had oil. And I think I see something else here too. 
the wise virgins with the oil, it seemed like they valued the wedding more than the five foolish. They valued that wedding. They're like, oh man, we're not going to mess this up. This is important. We're going to make sure we've got everything together. Everything ready. The other five, they just, you know, they represent people that just take stuff for granted. Know anybody like that? They just take stuff for granted. Hey, maybe that's like you. Just take things for granted. So in verse 10, while they were going away to make the purchase, yeah, they went downtown to the oil store. The bridegroom came. And those who were ready, they went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. Boom. Kind of like when God shut the door on Noah's ark. Boom. That's it. No one's coming in. No one's getting out. That's how it was with the wedding. No one's coming in. No one's getting out. Five go in. Five are shut out. The five foolish women, they got their oil, and then they, they came back, and they returned to the house. In verse 11, later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Huh. Imagine being in the wedding party and you are told, we don't know you. What? Here you are, right? You're all dressed up. Get your little wedding bridesmaid outfit on. You went to the rehearsal. You know where to stand. You know how to walk. You went to the rehearsal dinner. That was good, huh? Yeah, I like that. And yet, you get to the wedding late, and they tell you, I don't, I don't know you. Who are you? You know, Jesus said something like this another time in Matthew 7. He gave a warning to people about those that may be trying to get into heaven by doing good things, but they don't have a relationship with Christ. Jesus said, on that day, many people will come to me in Matthew 7. And they'll say, oh, Lord, man, you should have seen me down there on planet Earth. I did wonderful works in your name. Oh, yeah. We did miracles and cast out demons. We did everything. Taught great messages on Sunday. We did it all. And Jesus says, he looks at them and he goes, depart from me. I never knew you. You who work lawlessness. I never knew you. What? Did all these things for God and God like never knew you? Why? Because you didn't have a relationship with Christ. You know, isn't the world kind of in a deception? You think about all the religions in the world and all the good-natured people that are trying to do things to get God's attention. God, look at me. I'm doing all, I'm making pilgrimages. I'm making sacrifices. I'm going on journeys. I'm doing mission work. I'm doing all this stuff. And God's like, but do you have my son? you got to have my son because he's the door. No one gets to the Father but through him. Folks, this is what the world needs to understand. No one gets to the Father but through Christ. Now, there are some people, they hear that and they go, oh, thank you. Other people hear that and they go, forget it. Forget about it. I ain't going then. I'm like, okay. I guess you're not going. 
I guess you're not getting in. I guess you'd be in that group where Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. All the good things you think you did to me, they were lawlessness. They don't count because you weren't done. They weren't done through Christ. So two very scary words. Too late. Too late. People trying to get into Noah's Ark. Too late. People standing at the judgment of God trying to get into heaven. Too late. The five virgins, the foolish ones, trying to get into the wedding. Too late. Oh man, you never want to hear that. I hope you don't hear that. Too late. Because you know what happens when it's too late? It's too late. What's done is done. So what's the lesson of this parable? We've got a few things that we can learn from this. Number one, Jesus told this parable to emphasize the place of women. Oh yeah, he raised them up. Remember, they were like on the back burner of society. They didn't have many rights and privileges and they couldn't own businesses and they couldn't uh, talk to men in public. Jesus comes on the scene. <laughs> he tells stories about them. He uses them, many of them as heroines to the story. Jesus didn't have to tell a, par tell a parable about ten women. He told many parables using men, right? He didn't have to talk about women. Remember, he told a parable of the wise and foolish builders, right? It's a couple of guys. One guy built a house, but the foundation was sand. Another guy built the same kind of house, but the foundation was a rock. They both went through the same storm. The house on the sand whoosh, fell down. The house on the rock withstood the storm. What did he say? I'm the rock. I'm the rock. Build your life on me. But he used men. When he told the parable of the talents, he used men. Right? One guy got five talents. One guy got two, one guy got one. The boss said, go out there and do business. Guy with five came back, hey man, I got five more. Good job. Guy with two came back, hey, I got two more. Good job. You doubled what I gave you. The guy with one, here it is, you bum. You lazy bum, you did nothing with what I gave you. But he used men. Goes to show, yeah, sometimes men can be lazy bums too. He told the story of the vine growers. Using men. Told the story of the king going to battle. Using men. See, Jesus told many, many stories using men. But he liked to slip in the stories using women. Why? Because he was elevating their status. And I'll tell you what. Since then, man, women have been the star of the show. They really have. I mean, they were at the tomb that Sunday morning when Jesus rose from the grave. And, and women became Jesus' disciples, and they followed him where he went. Some supported him financially. Wow. And even today, in many instances, women are the backbone of the church. <laughs> you remove the women, like, man, the church falls flat. Thank God for the ladies that are fired up. And they love the Lord. Thank God for them. Second reason Jesus told this parable. It, he's teaching about borrowed resources. The faithful borrow many things from each other. And that's okay. 
but they cannot borrow their own preparations for the coming of the kingdom. They can't do that. In other words, someone else can't get you into the kingdom. A lot of times, men like to ride the spiritual coattails of their wives. In many instances. And why is that? I don't know. I don't know. But the women seem to be the spiritually, the spiritual spark plugs in the family. And men kind of tag along, you know. I'm going to tell you something, guys. She ain't getting you in. You're not going to get in because of her. You can only get in because of Christ. You have to have your own relationship with Jesus. You can't get in based on her relationship with Christ. You have to have your own. So don't be like, oh, she goes to church for me. She prays for me. She, go, she reads the Bible for me. She does all these things so I don't have to. Like, no. We all have something we have to do. And when we all stand before God, the question will be, what did you do with my son? And he can't say, oh, my wife took care of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she can take care of everything else if you want, but she cannot take care of that. That's something every person has to do on their own. Got to remember that because you got a lot of lazy men, man. I don't know why, but they're riding the spiritual coattails of their wives. Not good. Not good. Thirdly, he told this parable to let people know that the Christian life is a long haul. It is. It's a long life. That means that we must be prepared and we must utilize the necessary resources for the journey. It's a long journey. We don't know when God's coming back. It's a long. So what are the resources that God has given us? He's given us a few things. Number one, his word. He's given us the divine scriptures. Oh, people that say they don't believe the Bible, man, you might as well say you don't believe in food. I don't believe in clothes. <laughs> Please believe in clothes. I don't believe in water. Those, water in food sustains you. The word of God sustains you. It's food for the soul. So God, God gave us that resource. He gave us also the Holy Spirit. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit, he lives inside every believer. It's called the indwelling of the Spirit. And you know what the indwelling of the Spirit does? Secures our salvation. Now some people don't believe that. I'm like, man, why would you want to go through life wondering if you're truly going to be saved? When God says, you are. If you've got the indwelling of the Spirit, He's going nowhere. The Spirit never leaves you. That's why Paul said, don't grieve the Spirit and don't quench the Spirit. Some people think they can sin and God will reject them, and some people think they can reject God and walk away. You can do those things, but if you're truly saved, you have the indwelling of the Spirit, and He seals you, Ephesians 4.30, until the day of redemption. So that's a beautiful resource God has given you. And through the Spirit, you have power. 
Oh, yeah, divine power to live the Christian life. You know what else God has given you for the long haul? The use of spiritual gifts and some natural talents, too. Gifts and talents to do what? Well, the gifts are for the common good. When you live in your spiritual gift, you benefit everybody. So three things you have to do. You have to discover your gift. You have to cultivate your gift. And you have to utilize your gift. Do those three things. Discover it. Cultivate it. And utilize it. And you have natural talents as well. And you have to do the same thing. Gifts are things that we're spiritually born with. Talents are things that we're naturally born with. Okay? So God has given us these things for the long haul because we don't know when we're going to see them. So these ladies in the bridal party, they marched through all the streets of the village, right? They're winding here and there. Kind of like I think when Jesus carried the cross. They took them down all these streets so people could see. And the bride and the bridegroom, they're riding down all these streets so people could see. And then fourthly, Jesus told this story to show reactions to failures. See, when things go wrong due to poor judgment, the resulting problems cannot be solved by shouting orders at others. That's not how you fix it. In verse 8, when, the, when, when the, the ladies didn't realize their oil ran out, and they said to the five wise bridesmaids, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. They're like, come on, give us some. And then in verse 11, it got even elevated. They got there late. The door was locked. Lord, open the door. Open the door. Let us in. That doesn't help. What's that going to do? Let us in. Remember Fred Flintstone? Wilma, Wilma, banging on the door. <laughs> do you want to look like Fred Flintstone banging on the doors of heaven trying to get in? No. Well, then be ready. Get the oil of the Holy Spirit. Get that flowing. So we got two takeaways from this parable. Number one, the time of the return of Christ is unknown. We don't know. We don't know when that's happening, but it doesn't matter. Because we could depart this earth before he comes back. It doesn't matter. We're still going. Are you ready? So secondly, our responsibility then is to be prepared. Be prepared with the resources. Live ready. How about that? Live your life ready to meet God. Remember when Paul said, listen, here's what's going to happen when the rapture comes. At the last trumpet, the third trumpet he's talking about, where the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised in Christ. The dead in Christ will be raised and we who are alive will follow him. What's the third trumpet? It's the move out trumpet. The first trumpet was Reveille for the Roman army. Wake up! The second trumpet, fall in. They'd all get in line with their backpacks and their weapons. The third trumpet, move out. So the first and second trumpet spiritually have already blown. You know what that means? It means, number one, we should be spiritually awake. Number two, 
we should be spiritually ready. Because number three is going to be move out. Are you ready? Are you utilizing the resources that God has given you? And then Jesus wrapped it up and he said in verse 13, be on the alert. Oh boy. You know he's serious now. Be on the alert. For you do not know the day nor the hour. Right? Just like the ladies in the wedding party. They didn't know the day or the hour. Oh, they knew the day. They didn't know the hour. And they fell asleep. But five had oil. So we don't know when the return of Christ will be. But we need to be ready. Nothing like living ready. Oh, it's the best thing we can do. You know that? Live ready. It's like anything. You go on a vacation, you want to be ready. You're going to have company, you want to be ready. Right? Whatever you have to do, you want to be ready. Well, here's the most important thing to be ready for. Meeting God. Oh, yeah. Meeting God. Whether it's through death or the rapture, because the second coming is not for us. But whether it's through death or the rapture, we've got to be ready to meet God. And the best way to be ready is to live ready. That's the best way. That's all. Live ready. And you know what you're going to find? I think you'll find that life will be more enjoyable when you live that way. See, people that live the wrong way, ah, life kind of stinks. But when you live ready, life is good. And the music is happy. So live ready. Okay? Hey, thank you for coming along today. New Hope Radio. Have you subscribed to our new to, uh, YouTube channel yet? Go to newhopecc.tv. Click on Media, New Hope Radio. Click on the radio icon, the microphone there, and hit subscribe. Every time we go live, you'll get a notification. And you can catch us on YouTube. And don't forget about the Hope Club podcast. Just type that in. And all of our messages are there. Over 170 messages on the Hope Club podcast podcast. Thank you for coming along today. Support the program prayerfully and financially if you can. And we'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.